Hey guys, here we are at Horror Movie Survival Guide. Nope, try that again. Take that was great. <laughs> That's really how it is, though, because you know what? We can't see each other right now, Julia, because we here at Horror Movie Survival Guide are recording remotely right now. So uh, because of, you know, um, a little thing called the corona um, is going around. And so we are doing our part to um, shelter in place and, and stay safe and keep our social distance with our friends and family. And that includes our friends that we record with together. Yeah, it's very weird to not be looking at your face while I'm doing this show because we are always right across the table from each other. Yep. Uh, but of course, we are in quarantine, as if in the horror movie ourselves, one might say. And here to do our best are trying to record uh, from three different locations. Our, our producer Wes is also here. So we just wanted to give you a little disclaimer and let you guys know that um, we are doing our best to give you the best sound and quality that we can uh, with our equipment from home. So if if it doesn't sound like the pod usually does, that's why. Uh, but we love you and we are still happy to give you content and bring out fresh shows each week um, as long as we can and it's feasible and possible. We do appreciate your support and your understanding. Of course. And so, yes, just be a little generous with any technical glitches you might hear. We, uh, we hope you know that we're trying to give you something to give you a little bit of cheer in this kind of dreary time. But we're here for you and we love you guys and we are so happy to have you as listeners. Stay safe and healthy and enjoy the show. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Konnichiwa, and welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Julia. I, I am Terry. That's awesome. We, <laughs> we are talking about 1999's The Rage, Carrie 2. Name of this What a episode. title. I know. The Rage. Do we really need The Rage? I think just Carrie 2 would do. I think Carrie 2, The Rage, makes more sense than The Rage and Carrie 2. Clearly, they had to add Carrie 2 as an afterthought. I think they were just going to call it The Rage, and then they were like, no one will know yes. what it is. Right. So apparently, reading about this film is that you know they had a script that kind of sort of was like Carrie, and they're like, let's just make it officially Carrie, and then that turned into a whole ball of wax, which we're about to get into. So the title of this episode is Sex and Suicide, which is very apt for this episode um, in this movie. The tagline for this movie, what if you had the power to move objects with your mind? What if everyone around you gave you the reason to use that power? Okay. So, okay. That's kind of what job. happens, but yeah. I feel uh, like it gives too much, even though, I mean, most people are probably really familiar with the property. Yeah. Like literally just, I think they could have just been like, it's Carrie too. Like, did you watch the first one? Yeah. It's all going to go crazy too. Yeah. Uh, this was written by Raphael Moreau and directed by Kat Shea. So, you know, we start out uh, with uh, a woman uh, hand painting things red. 
at a house red. Not just the whole house. She's just doing a weird stripe. Like it's a perimeter. Like she's like making um, like a, a circle or something around something. So it's literally just like a big bucket of red paint. At first you, they cut to it. It looks like it might be a big bucket of blood, but it's paint that she's like painting around the room in a big stripe. Painting curtains, painting lamps, painting, you know, the uh, photographs of... <laughs> A religious iconography that is uh, covering this house, uh, very similar to uh, another Mrs. White that we know from the first one. Um, and we have a little baby, uh, Rachel, who is uh, our Carrie wannabe in this film, and comes up and just wants mommy to play with her. And mommy swipes her face with paint. Um, yeah, she's probably like three or four years old, little tiny, tiny baby. Um, and we get this great intro of 90s horror music, too. I was like, oh, it sounds so 90s. Like, I didn't, you never think that you're like living in an era till it's over and you hear stuff from it and it just like takes you right back and see the fashions and the hairstyles and yeah, all of it. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember all those things. Uh, and so then immediately, uh, mom is hauled away into uh, a sanitarium and Rachel comes back in realizing she's going to be t- sent to a foster home and the house starts freaking out doors and windows all start closing. And she, uh, she's screaming, stop it. Um, and we do see that she has a very adorable, uh, basset hound, little basset hound, Walter, Walter. Walt. And so they're so we, cute. And they cuddle up together in that closet. Cause she runs away from the, the officer that's trying to take her, you know, to take her away from her home. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. But then we so, pan too as they swirl, swirl, swirl with that close up of her with the puppy curled up together in the closet. They swirl shot, which kind of made me a little dizzy sick. Okay. Um, to fast forward in time to her in high school now, and she's still got Walter in her arms, and they're laying together on their bed um, yeah, before school. Uh, and she has some uh, dubious foster parents who have a very. It's like Walter can be in the house during the day, but he can't be in the house at night. They don't want the sound of the dog. They want him to be like more of an outdoor dog, which also doesn't make sense. If he's an outdoor dog, you just, it's an outdoor dog. You leave him outside all day. But they're like complaining that it smells like dog in the house sometimes. And it's like, well, if the dog's there in the day, it's going to smell like dog probably all the time. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So we uh, go onto the bus. Uh, Rachel meets up with her best friend who uh, is played by Lisa, who's played by Mina Savari. And they're trying to make her look kind of tough. 90s it girl who's like usually plays like sweet girls, though. Like she was more like either either a mean girl or like super blonde. But again, this is one of those moments where I was like, this is so 90s. They're dye jobs on both of their hair they're clearly both like blondes and like Rachel's hair is like this like terrible black that looks very uneven and very much like she bought it out of the store, like manic panic or something Mm -hmm. um, at hot topic that day. And then, and, and and Lisa, you know, Mena Savari is obviously wearing the wig that the stunt person is going to wear later. Uh, I didn't even think about that, but it's so true. It's true. It's awkward red. Yeah. And it's all kind of must. Um, so she and Rachel have uh, matching tattoos. Sorry, that's great. That's pretty astute, isn't it? We're I haven't watched planning. movies for a while. Yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> wicked planning. They were like, we're going to need to match hair. Yeah. So we're going to give you this wig. Uh-huh. Uh, so they have uh, matching tattoos of uh, of like a heart and some vines growing around it. And they Very 90s too. Because like yeah. everyone was getting that like weird vine, like, like tribal. tribal tattoos then. Yeah. So very of the time. So best blood is their chant that they say when they, when they touch each other's tattoos. Who um, says so, that? That's awkward as fuck. 
I don't know what that's about. They have something. Uh, but we have this very, again, very 90s, like, ska introduction to the school where, like, the cheerleaders are going and you got the horns going. You're like, wow, yeah. It's the 90s. high school montage. Like, the yeah. classic 90s high school montage. Like, there had to have been make- playing Frisbee back there. I mean, it was Hacky Sack. The 80s is the 80s was frisbee. That's like a telltale 80s 80s like montage is frisbee and 90s is someone's playing fucking hacky sack. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Um, and they totally are. And someone's uh, playing their bass guitar or whatever, like while there's a makeout couple in front of them. You cut to you see like the socius and the greasers. So you know what I mean? That's like you see like who the popular kids are, and then you see these like asshole, like clearly the jock guys that are like raiding the girls and like being like, Oh, like like what do you think of her? Like Right. So they have playing some game. Yeah. So they have this whole there's the jock like five some that have this whole game rule rules of the game. So they have a notebook and every girl in the school is assigned to points based on their desirability. Right. So if you have someone who's very desirable, maybe a one, but if you have someone who's very not desirable and they get like 50 points. Right. So it just depends on how many, it's points, a dog how, fight. It is a dog fight and it's how willing, how far you're willing to go down the ladder to get points for this thing. So it's mm-hmm. pretty much the most horrible thing you could do as a man it's with your sex friends game they have basically and, yeah, make friend of girls and, and break their hearts. So they're teaching Romeo and Juliet in school. As we know, things are always quite relevant when they teach them in school in a horror movie. Uh, that part, I was like, Oh, I'm listening now. I was like, yep. teacher scene, listen to the notes, get the notes, figure out what he's going to be talking about. He's talking about love. That's like, like not going to go well. And like, something's going to be wrong at the end. And it's going to be, I was like, Oh, somebody's going to like misunderstand and some messenger's going to get stuck and something like that's going to happen where information's going to get crossed towards the end. So, you know, any students who are listening to this podcast should know that a, a legit horror movie song I got tip is always pay attention in class because what they're teaching is always relevant so you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) this Um, is so great too so the teacher actually like talks about romeo and juliet and i think what he talks about is pretty cool um like how everyone's like oh it's you know a tragedy he's like well every love story if you think about it is a tragedy because usually unless you're dying together for the most part usually one of the partners is going to go before the other so someone's always left sad and heartbroken for some period of time in any great relationship. And I was like, Oh, that's dark, but also kind of true. You know, when you think about it, there's always like usually a widow or somebody who's left. Um, when, uh, for a lot. And Rachel is a skeptic, but then we, we cut to, uh, Jesse who is played by Jason London, uh, always dreamy, uh, pink from days and confused always, uh, you know, mostly why I wanted to watch this movie. I was obsessed with him. Definitely had posters of him and cut out pictures of him for my 17 magazine for my walls. So here's the question. I, I should have done my research, but did he and his twin brother ever do a movie together? Yeah, they did that one with Reese Witherspoon, like the one that broke, that was like their big movie. I don't think I've seen it. Um, which twins? was the one where like, hold on. All right. Now I have to, I feel like I've got to like, okay. as you talk, um, because I'm Because actually, uh, Jeremy does make an appearance in this film, but we'll get to that much later. Oh, is uh, he a stunt double? We'll get to that much later. Okay. Uh, so Lisa, we see Lisa who had been so happy that morning on the bus because she had confessed to Rachel that she had finally lost her virginity, but looks very happy about it. And it can't being very evasive about who the boy is, but it's very serious. And she can't wait for Rachel to meet him at lunch. So there's the lunch setup that they're finally going to meet this boy. 
Uh, but before lunch can happen, we find Lisa looking quite despondent, uh, walking uh, through the school, holding a notebook in her hand, walking up to the roof where the gardening club is gardening, and just free falls straight off the roof and smashes on a windshield real bad. Uh, like real, real bad. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. It's a good effect. It's, it's, it's disturbing. It's great. But this is also, okay, can we cut back to you real quick from the beginning of the movie? Cause it's super nineties. It's this, I was looking up while I was watching this. I was like, Oh my God, there's a, one of the kids from school is videotaping everything. Oh, right. Like he's got a new camcorder. Cause that's also like kind of a newer thing to have a handheld camcorder everywhere you go. Like America's funniest home videos big, but also girls gone wild had just come out like a couple years before that. So mm-hmm. this kid is taking kind of a lot of very girls gone wild style footage of like girls cleavage and like things like that. So anything that seems sensational, this guy's been capturing on video because this is of its era. They were also going to deal with video later on in the movie. So I thought that was like kind of pertinent. And he comes up after she's fallen and video is up close, like dude. And his comment, his only comment is like, Oh, I feel bad for the, whoever car that is like, not about the girl, but literally just makes a comment about the car. And you can see how much these guys treat women like objects in this movie. Yeah. So it's this, you know, the whole school season and, and, you know, Rachel comes up and she sees it and it's very traumatizing. So we cut to her in the guidance counselor's office, who was played by fucking Amy Irving, AKA Sue Snell from Carrie. So here we have the one link character that's going to bridge these two films. She's our OG Carrie girl. And oh, what a part. Can I I just say, I really wish this movie was just about her. I I do too. Carrie too about Sue Snell and the PTSD she went through and like what is she is like now. If they were willing to do a movie about a woman instead of children, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Though I feel like there's still like there's still space for that. Like I would watch yeah. that now. Do you know sure. what I mean? Though and I feel like there'd be more like opportunity once you know people are doing more filming to greenlight something like that because I think that's the story I'm more curious. Obviously, at this point in my life too to see as yeah. well. But it's just you know you if yeah. to to see the situation and you do a bit in near the end, but you to see it more through her eyes, having gone through what she's gone through, would be far more interesting than kind of getting it from Rachel's perspective, who doesn't really know what's going on. It doesn't really make connections until much later. Um, but we do find out that the, uh, bully, uh, who, who had drawn, made Lisa do what she did, had had sex with her and then dumped her. Eric, who's played by one of the kids from home improvement. This was a series regular, like jock frat looking guy. Like it just to me, he has a cousin who was in the actual NFL too. Like he's literally his whole family. They are like literally like he was a bron. His cousin was a Bronco. Um, and he he one of your bop fantasies. Nope. I looked up as well. I did my homework as well for the show. Um, (laughs) I no, I was more, I was way more JTT. Are you kidding me? Like I was not into this brother. This was not the brother I thought was hot. I just always thought it was like, Ooh, he seemed too jockey for me too. So he's playing, plays a great jock in this. Yes. So uh, we find out that Rachel has been, uh, works at the photo, the drive through photo mat. And Lisa had given her uh, her film to develop that she was going to pick up after school. So this is another reason why Rachel's confused by the suicide because she had made plans to meet the person at lunch. She made plans to pick up these photos. So it seems like a very sudden decision. Um, so the, the, now that Eric, Eric knows that they took a picture of them together. So now he knows this is going to be evidence used against him. So he, his job, no plausible deniability about being with her. See if Rachel would be possible to just give up that film, uh, which she shoots them down. And And it's not Eric that goes, his friends go as henchmen doing this. Mark 
and Jesse. And so, um, and it's interesting too, because you look at the picture and you also, from the beginning scene where he asks his friends while they're playing this game, they're like, oh, you don't think she's hot, right? He has to check it with them because the herd kind of like mentality of these guys is in the testosterone and misogyny is so strong. He doesn't have space that he actually seems to genuinely like Lisa. And I think he actually had a genuine connection with her. You see the photo of them and they actually look like real smiles and real happy when we cut to this photo. Um, and you see what high school, um, that mentality can do to kids. Even this guy who seems like he doesn't have any sensitivity about him actually did make a real connection with her. Um, but he is scared of what his friends will think and how they'll react to him actually connecting with one of the girls while they're playing this God awful game of just who can hook up with the worst. But you know, the, uh, Sue Snell and others uh, trying to say the severity of this, you know, this, this, this group of guys that are breaking girls' hearts and it's very upsetting. And that also, uh, they, they could possibly push the fact that he was 18 and she was 16. So technically it's statutory rape. So that's something that they can kind of go. So this for. is some serious evidence now that they're going to have in hand. And yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, for sure. And we actually, this is when we get, um, when we, we get Sue talking about, uh, her, you know, what she knows what it's like when somebody's been bullied, and we get this uh, Carrie flashback. So they actually do a couple times in this film do flashbacks from Brian De Palma's film. Um, so they are really trying to link it to this Carrie thing, and I think because Sue is their 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 one little strand, they'd really try to like milk that bit. And again, like her plot, so much more interesting than like the main plot. It's um, very interesting. And then also with like, just seeing her struggle with like when having the savior complex now, because she doesn't ever want to see somebody struggle like this again and getting why she got into this, you know, business or like working, um, in this capacity as a counselor. I think a lot of people who have gone through trauma, do often or some sort of, you know, do often find themselves working in the mental health profession in a right. way to try to help others because they've been there. Um, it, on one hand, like, I think it's really interesting to cast Sal, like Snell, Sue Snell is now a guidance counselor because you can see like she's trying to atone for her sins, right? But then on yeah. the other hand, like, that's the most torturous job you could pick. And maybe it is that kind of thing where you're martyring yourself, where you're like, I have to fix this. This is the only way I can fix it. Even if it's going to be torturous for you to be in high school and see all these kids yeah. every day when you know everyone you knew got uh, fried 20 years ago. And that's what the sheriff even says to her. He's like, you're still trying to save that girl from 20 years ago. Like, I, I see you. I see what you're trying to do. So, uh, so if, mm-hmm. we weren't, if we weren't disgusted yet by our jock buddies, we now have a scene of Jesse who has had sex with Tracy in his car, who is the hot girl in school. And everybody's like, she's the hottest girl, the hottest you can get. She's the cheerleader. And- she's like the head cheerleader. She's the head bitch. She's it. So they have sex in a car in kind of a slightly secluded area. But when he exits the car, his buddies are all there. Give him like applause. He's got her panties in his hand. It's the most repulsive. Like I can't imagine anything worse than having sex with somebody who like immediately exits card and his friends are like, yeah, man, did you fucking hit that? Like it's he's so also really drunk. Gross. Do you know what I mean? Though it looks like he had to like drink himself to do it, which is yeah. weird too. There's something off about how he is about it versus how his friends seem to be about it. Right. Cause they, you know, he, they're so happy because he's hit the hottest girl in school, but he, clearly is not okay. He doesn't even it, care. Into it, doesn't like her at all. And she's, you know, Oh, Mark's having a party. Why don't we go to the party together? What do you think? And he's just not 
She's date hint dropping, hint dropping, hint dropping. Like you need to ask me to this party. Like I'm not going to ask you because I can't, but you need to like ask me and he won't. Right. No. Um, so then we get, um, the saddest scene in the film, Walter, poor Walter. So we get, uh, Walter, uh, the Brasset Hound runs into the road and gets run over real bad. Um, and Rachel runs out and grabs him and he's all, she's all bloody. He's all bloody. Uh, but just then Jesse pulls up. And so she's able to get in Jesse's car and they drive to the vet together. Um, but man, I was like, don't kill Walter, please. I know. Thank God they didn't. So they're at the all night vet or whatever. And they end up going to a diner after he takes her, even though she looks like she's like, he's like, Oh, they, you look like you murdered somebody or whatever. Cause she's covered in Walter's blood. And he's like, Oh, it's fine. And they have a really nice kind of connection and moment. You can tell this is more his speed of a girl he wants to talk with compared to Tracy. They have an instant connection. It's like electricity, literally, even when literally. he drives her home, like, um, and drops her off, even though she's like, I could walk. And he's like, I could hitchhike. He's like, no, I'm going to drive you. Like I'm a gentleman. Like I've already been right. taking care of you all night. We're not going to leave you to walk the road at night. But this um, is such a, a cute moment because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're in the car together and they're both real awkward and he's, you know, should he go in for the kiss? He doesn't really know. So he ends up doing a handshake, which is just even worse. But when, so they awkward. Sh- when they go to shake hands, there's an actual like lightning bolt that comes out of her hand. It goes into his hand. Uh, and so then when she leaves, I like this a lot that she leaves and he goes like, God, a handshake. And then he's, thank you for support. I'd like your vote. <laughs> he's like, he's like the stupidest Talking thing. Talking himself up. Yeah. And yeah, I just like how she's a politician. <laughs> so cute. I like how she's like acrylic sweater because it's like, that was so nineties too. Like, you're yeah. like, I remember wearing those sweaters where you're just like, Oh, everything's all this synthetic material all of a sudden. Um, so we so, got back to mm-hmm. Rachel back in Sue Snell's office, who is really trying. She knows something's up with this girl. She wants to figure out what it is. She talks about, she knows that uh, Rachel's mother is in Arkham Asylum, which yeah. is interesting because that's uh, in Gotham City. <laughs> that's where uh, the Joker is okay. in Arkham Asylum. Random. Uh, but but Sue t- says that she also was had been a patient in Arkham, that after the whole situation with Carrie White, that she had gone off the rails for a while. So she's saying, you know, it's not a bad thing. You can come back from it. It's not shameful, uh, but wants Rachel to kind of confront what's happening to her. And she's pushing her and pushing her and pushing her to the point where uh, her Rachel's coffee cup flies off the desk. And uh, we get this look on Sue's face, which is like, okay. And this is what it is. She, she had suspicions and now she knows. And- Confirmation. And she knows and she knows what she's looking out for. But Rachel spent all her whole life covering up her telekinetic like ability. And she knows like she's got stuff that happens because like the electrocution thing, that's what she was like, oh, sweater. Or like when she was a kid, you know, she could see her moving like spoons and all the doors and all kinds of shit. So she knows that there's something up, but she has gotten so adept at like, like a person who's been abused or something of like making like quick excuses for what's happening. Um, and she most, by the way, uh, darkly lit school of all time. A lot of shit though. It's like a film noir kind of high school where you're just like, well, no, you're just going to high school and like nobody turns on lights in any hallway. Yeah. Lisa, when she was in that hallway right before she killed herself, it was like pitch black. It was like either the budgie was real cheap (laughs) They're trying to make it look spooky, you know? I understand it. I get it. Um, talk about spooky. How about this fo- this scene where the football players are all watching footage of their plays, and Mark, who is like the head dick jock, is talking, um, and the coach comes over and is like, hey, man, drop trowel. He's like, what? He's like, drop trowel. So we're talking about, remember a couple episodes, we're talking about the crazies where you have the military where it's like, people tell you to do something, and you just have to do it. You have no choice. This same kind of mentality where it's like, you're in a room full of your football team, your coach tells you to do a thing, 
you do that fucking thing. So it happens dri- more often than it should. A high school football can get that like, cause they're trying to build team. That herd yeah. mentality does happen. See, I'm just too independent, man. I go, anything you tell me to do, like you want to do, you want me to do th- something like everybody else? Nope. I'm going to go do this thing. Oh, over yeah, here. I'm going to do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't do that. Uh, so no uniforms reason- for Julia, by the way. She's just like no. never going to do it. No. I am too, too independent. So he makes them drop trow, bends him over and he's wearing his jock strap. He gets right up in his ass and he's looking, looking. You're like, what the fuck is he looking at? Is he going to abuse him right now? And he's like, oh, I'm just looking for your tampon string. Yeah. Because your plays out there tonight were terrible. You're like, geez. Okay. So the misogyny, like the things that we've already seen is like a whole nother level. Cause you get that. It's not just the kids that -hmm. the adults also, um, like condone it like as well. Do you know what I mean? They'll like, yeah. we've gotten like, so we've get, you know, lawyer dad, Eric's dad, the one who's like, you know, was, was hooked up with Lisa before she killed herself, um, is a lawyer. So you get that he's got like connections as they meet up and he basically blackmails like the city basically is like, and the sheriff and everybody, they're like, he's like, Hey, if you try to bring my son in, like, there's all these other kids. I know what they're doing. I've got all these other names. I'm going to take the whole football team down. And you know, in any small town like this, football is king. They don't want to see that happen because it generates, you know, scholarships for these guys. And these are also all like mostly rich guys too, where Rachel is literally like one of those girls from the other side of the tracks living in foster care with shitty foster parents who in a trailer in a trailer. And they're like, Hey, they were upset that if she gets taken away or if her mom gets better, they don't even want her mom to get better because they need the 300 bucks a month that they get as a stipend for being her foster parents. Yeah. Uh, gross. So then so we get this. Yeah. The, uh, the jock guys decide that it's time to put a little scare into Rachel that they feel like she knows too much. She's probably going to squeal. So they need to put a little scare into her. They want to play uh, offense instead of defense. That's what they, they right. decide. They get all football and they're like, well, you don't, this is what we would do in the game. We would play more offense now. So they're trying to get ahead of the story. So Rachel is uh, supposedly uh, getting ready for a date to meet Jesse at the diner again, uh, in a, uh, only in a red towel when she starts hearing strange noises uh, and the phone rings. And um, I have to say this made me laugh. Uh, you get the, the scream line what is your favorite scary movie in Donald Duck's voice? And I was yeah. like, I'm kind of into it. That's kind of hilarious. I laughed the scream, too. The scream callback, but then you're like, in a fucking Donald Duck voice? I like it. I was like, when a stranger they- calls, scream all of it in one. And yeah. then with the red towel, because it's like the red dress at the end of Carrie, I was like, okay, there's all these things happening right now that are sure. like, shout out, shout out, shout out. Um, can I ask you, perhaps you know, uh, what is the meaning of the black and white sequences in this film? Because at first I was like, they're only when her powers are around but they're not. It's not. So I don't really know. I don't Pretty much know every time. Doing. No, every time her powers got out of control or that kinetic energy, she got scared. It comes up. Pretty much um, every time. Because even with the mug, it happened. It happens with the snow globe later. It happens pretty much every time that happens. So I was like, oh, black and white is her kinetic energy. And that's like almost like her ultra sensory because it feels like she could see those things outside um, at some level as well, too, that she shouldn't be able to see. But I'm not sure. I think that was just to separate those. So the boys, of course, go too far and uh, break a window with a brick, and they're trying to break in to do God knows what um, when uh, her foster parents come home and they have to kind of scatter and run, and she's all freaked out, and she slams the window on Eric's hand, who is trying to crawl in through the window. So well, she did that with her mind, not physically, you guys. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, with her mind. 
if you uh, carry two guys, if you, if yeah, you she's not even in the she's not even in the room. She but yeah. he tries to crawl into the house, but he's got like brass knuckles on because he wants to go add an extra scare to her and kind of fuck her up. Like he's ready to go further. Even his friends were like, "Dude, don't go in there. Like, don't go that far. We're just trying to With put a little scare in her knuckles." And you're like, Yeesh, "Yeah, man." Uh, but I, and her parents come home and they're like, "Hey, what happened? There's a brick through the window." And she's like, "I don't know." Like, she's really? like oh nothing she's like it's fine now and she's like she had just called the police and she's like oh no no you don't have to come like i was like oh girl <laughs> just tell them just tell them yeah. what, are you, what are you like but what do you tell them for? but like what do you tell them it's like yeah. they and they obviously also don't seem to believe her either because it looks like weird shit's happened in their house before where things have been strangely broken and we already established that earlier like she had a moment where she was freaking out and weird stuff happened in the kitchen and so they already, I think, are on alert, even though they don't say anything. I think they know she's mm-hmm. kind of got some weird powers, too, that they just don't actually acknowledge either. Right. So Tracy, who is the hot girl that Jesse had had sex with previously, is very unhappy because now Jesse is fawning over Rachel, who we all know is trash. So what is he doing? She's the girl from the other side of the tracks. She's pissed because she's the queen and she wants to have the king of the school, right. which was Jesse. And she's complaining to her friend, uh, Monica, that and Monica says, you're caviar. She's cheese whiz. Like, okay. All right. Uh, so they, of course, the, the mean girl has always had, has to have some sort of plot, right? She's got to manipulate and, and connive her way to the top. So she wants to break up what's going on with Jesse and Rachel. And, you know, but Jason London's so fucking charming that God. you're like, I know you're an asshole and I know you're a jock bastard, but I couldn't resist it either. Like, she's just like, oh, but. I mean, so he cute. smiles at you like that, and the sun hits yeah. him just right, and you're just like, hot, yeah. hot, 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 hot. So, yes. What can you do? So, they, you know, go out, and, like, she, before they go out on, like, this, like, um, is this the one? Anyway, they go out, um, and she confesses to Jesse that she's a virgin, actually. Like, they're about to, like, get a little hot and heavy, and, he, she's, and he's like, oh. She's like, I want my first time to be special. Like, no offense, but, like, I want some flowers at my door, and I want this to be really right. So flash forward to the next day and he brings like a, a whole bunch of daisies for her and yeah. takes her to this like nice ass looking like kind of boathouse place and like well, winds her it's, Mark, it's mark's parents place which he says like oh my parents are out of town because he and mark and jesse have this confrontation in the locker room where jesse's like hey why are you treating rich like this she's totally like i don't have to date tracy or whoever you tell me to and they end up getting into this fight there is a lot of naked man ass in the back of the scene can i just say i appreciated that not bad. Uh, so they have a confrontation, uh, but then Mark comes back in this very kind of suspiciously friendly way, and is like, "Hey, man, let's make up. Everything's cool. Here's my the keys to my parents' house. Their get lake house. They're not going to be there. You guys go have fun." You're like, "Ah, oh, you're being suspiciously nice, aren't you?" What, what, yeah, there's a lot of suspicious nice all of a sudden because even um, Tracy's BFF starts befriending Rachel. They meet up in the mall while Rachel's like trying to find some lipstick for like, or just some makeup to like zhuzh herself up for. The- she's never really done this. Like she's always been kind of more of a plain, a plainer girl. And so um, she hooks her up and is super sweet to her. Um, but it's all with the motive because she's on team Tracy this whole time. And they're reeling her in by being kind to her. And oh, saying, no. oh, Jesse would want us to all get along, and why don't you come to this party, and we'll all have fun together. Meanwhile, uh, Sue has another test this with Rachel, and Rachel ends up uh, breaking a snow globe. So there's really on her desk with her mind, and so there's really no way for her to get out of it this time, because it's real clear what's happening, and Sue was like setting up 
for her to happen. Uh, and so Sue's next move is to go to Arkham Asylum where she's going to find her mother, uh, which she does. And, uh, her mother, uh, Rachel's mother tells her that, uh, but this is the, this is the point where the, the movie loses me where Sue is like, Oh, I know what this is. This is a genetic defect that the male yeah, is she knows too much. I don't know why she knows so much. But okay, taking this is like when you have the force and then you have it like micro like midichlorians, whatever. Like you, you when you explain it on a scientific level, where it becomes not not fantastical anymore, and then you're like, oh, well, it's not interesting anymore. You have right, you want you just want it to be mystical and magical. Right, you don't need explanation for it. But now you're like, but they're oh, trying okay. to connect these girls right. in a way that makes sense for like it to be called Carrie too. Um, I get so, it. So I know, but it's it is correct. It it does. Don't, yeah, it just telekinetic awesomeness doesn't necessarily necessarily need to be a defect but we find out that actually rachel is carrie's half sister dun 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 they have the same father who was roth's white so um then now we're like okay well now we know what happened so now sue goes back to rachel tells her what she knows takes her to the high school where carrie had destroyed wreckage Mm -hmm. and is trying to let her know like this is what happened this was what can happen to you we need to talk about this because this is something you're genetically predisposed to do Uh, and rachel of course is having none of it right um so She's got better. She's got bigger fish to fry. She's got Mark's part. Well, it just also sounds fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Though, yeah. like, and this is something she's been dealing with her whole life, and she knows she's got some stuff going on. But like, the way that this other lady is setting it up, she's like been told her whole life this other person was her father. Like, she's already like found kind of her way in her mind of how her life is connected and she can't bring in this take in this new information plus she's also in the midst of like new love with this boy and it's like if this is true if this is true then she's like and and sue's like telling her she needs to go to this lab in princeton and go away and like be studied she doesn't want to be a fucking lab rat like who wants to be like okay now that i'm this freak be studied and poked and prodded who knows what that means so i think she's like dude i'm just literally just got like also dealing with high school, like brought into the cool click. Do you know what I mean though? Like I'm dating sure. this really hot guy. Like I want to go be a part of that. So, but I guess like I understand that. And at 16 or 17, you probably would be like, I just want to go to this party. I don't care about this. But also like you've had these strange powers your whole life that you have no idea where they come from. And now you have an explanation of where they might come from. And she's not interested in exploring. It's not the explanation she wanted. No. Do you know um, what I mean? So, so. She, she gets all dressed up for this date. She's going to go to this party. She's very excited. Put on the um, red dress. We're waiting yeah. for it. And uh, they, he got the daisies for her, and they, they, they do it. We got a little sexy scene where they do it at the, the lake house, and you're like, all right. And then this very cute, uh, she's there afterwards, and she's sleeping on his chest. And as she's sleeping, he whispers, "I love you." So she can't hear it, but we see it, and we know that he said it. Um, so they catch, uh, her foster parents catch her sneaking back into the house and ground her for a week. Um, and then the football team, uh, shaves all their heads in right before the big game, um, which I think is a, a really fuel. bad move. And it's also just a solidarity thing. And also like a very, like, again, feels very militaristic kind of a moment and thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're all about to put your heads in those helmets. So it's going to feel it's not sweaty. great after you've just like, I mean, they're all wearing their little rags or whatever underneath there too. But I'm just like, that just seemed like a bad move right before the game, but they want to show solidarity together. But Jesse refuses to get his head shaved because he, d- that shows he's not with the herd and not right. part of it. Uh, so Sue decides that she needs for some reason to sneak Rachel's mom out of the asylum, which she does. Um, and then goes to the game and there's this switcheroo where Tracy is now taking 
Jesse to the party so that Monica can set her Rachel up at the party. It's a very complicated whatnot. We get to the party. And Mark it's basically a bait and switch. They set it up yeah. that he's going to be there longer so that they can set her up um, and, and, and mess with him and her. Well, he's not there to protect her is basically Correct. the idea. Um, well, they so get her she- drunk at this party. Mm-hmm. And they being nice to her at first, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, why don't you check out this notebook we have, uh, which is the notebook of of the game?" So she now she can see how many points she's worth. Every she's guy has listed their name on a page, and then the girls they've hooked up with, and the point system is there for her to see. Right. So we see Jesse's page, and there she is, and she is worth thirty points because she is so disgusting. They can't imagine anyone wanting to sleep with her. Ouch. And also remember we've had these video montages or video thick clips throughout the film of like people filming people. So these guys have actually gone ahead and filmed, had actually secretly filmed them hooking up in the lake house. And they have clips of that after they had in between. It's cool too in the back. If you watch in the back of the scene, there's a part where I was like, oh, this is really truly messed up where they're playing the football game. But then you can see cuts of them hooking up or him like before and you can see it like foreshadowing right before she actually sees what the hell is actually up on the screen so it's like Mm -hmm. everyone else in the room is already kind of getting cool and hip and alert to what's happening while she's literally falling apart inside so uh then we get the the moment you know the moment of realization for her where she's all been duped and this has all been a ploy to get at her and uh, i love that they pull back in the crazy piper lori loop of they're all gonna laugh at you just over and over i'm like all right bringing it back i like that um what i don't like is uh the vines from her tattoo growing all over her because now she's badass or something it's uh, great well it's because that's why they said best blood and i wondered about the blood because she took a little like she put her hand in her friend's blood like took a little droplet of the blood and i was wondering if they had like each other's blood in their tattoo like they did like a blood sisters thing or something and so she's feeling like the rage from like connection to her friend and to like these are the guys that did this to you and now they're doing it to me it is it is i mean obviously they just did it for a cinematic effect it's not necessary but it's hilarious and like very 90s to that vine tattoo all over her fucking body so of course this house is all made of glass, which she, you know, immediately shatters all the windows. Uh, there's a great push pull. We got some death by CDs. We got, uh, this great, uh, so Sue is coming up to the house with, uh, Rachel's mom and Rachel with her mind skewers Mark through the back of the head to the door with a poker through the door mm-hmm. and also gets Sue Snell in the head. So she gets two and one through the door. Yep. That's not a bad death. As horror movies go, I'm like, all right, it's pretty inventive. I like it. That was pretty dope. My favorite was still the CDs because I was like, oh, of its time. <laughs> like stabbed in the back with a bunch of CDs. Um, and then, so just a whole bunch of shattering of things since it's the big modern mansion. Um, and then a bunch of bottles of booze get shattered as kids like are just, I mean, all over the floor, puddles of blood, tables right. are broken, everything's House broken. Fire. Yeah. Uh, and now, so the guy, everybody runs upstairs. Uh, Mark's dad has some spear gun inexplicably that now does that is their weapon and then arnie one of her friends who was one of the loser friends he was outside and i love this actor too like i was i had like a crush on him back in this era did you oh yeah eddie k thomas he was in american pie and like a bunch of those kind of movies and stuff too um and he was just adorkable but he was like hey you're gonna get us into this party as he saw her drive up but as the thing is burning in the midst of all this as the chaos has happened he was like man we're missing a killer party Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I do. Apparently, they did name that character after Arnie from Christine because he is the dork. So I appreciate Got it. That. Um, so 
then uh, we have the standoff now uh the people who have spear guns uh rachel is going to do something what's she going to do with her mind she is going to uh this is a pretty good one uh monica who is the girl with the lipstick earlier who had duped her uh, makes her glasses explode into her eyes yeah which uh kills her uh but also as she's dying she turns around and spear guns another guy in the crush she can't see and she's freaking out while she's holding a spear gun so then uh rachel is shot in the side with a flare gun which actually seems to do a good amount of damage to her um i wouldn't i guess i I never thought of how much damage a flare gun i I guess that close range range. right there like right next to a body yeah it's still gonna burn yeah. Uh, so then they, they fall. She falls in the pool. Mark falls in the pool. They have this battle, but now the pool's cover is closing. And it's one of those automatic out. pool covers and then bonks Mark in the head, knocks him out for a second. So he's knocked unconscious under the water. And then she's able to get a spear and, and spear her way out of that pool cover. But he is not. That's a pretty brutal way to drown as he's trying to get out from underneath that pool cover. And it's work. Oh lurk lurk but he was an asshole so i'm not even mad at this point i got no sympathy Mm -mm. uh so then she goes back in sees her mom for a moment it's like mom rachel connection and then right back to her mom's like you're possessed you're possessed and you're like oh this is where we left off mom yeah (laughs) she's taken right back and because she sees i mean literally she walks up to a fucking house on fire and it does look like hell and her daughter's covered in a weird vine tattoo now so yeah i would i would have some questions um she doesn't look great um and Um, then she kills her mom. Uh, <laughs> our mom is dead because her mom leaves her basically, and she feels abandoned. She doesn't want to be alone. And then we cut to uh, one year later. <laughs> well, because this is what we, we've got. Oh, sorry, Jesse. Sorry. Uh, Jesse comes in right because yeah. she wants to die, but Jesse comes in and and she thinks he's in on it, and he's been duping her this whole time too. Romeo so and Juliet. Right. But we cut to the scene of, of after, when he, after sex, he had said, I love you. And he's like, look, proving it to her that she, he loves her. So, you know, she does, she want to kill him. Does she not want to kill him? So she decides to not kill him. Um, and so, but she is dead. A piece of ceiling falls on her. Because she had already her. set up to murder him even before she knew. So she runs to save him and moves him out of the way because right. she had already put in motion something that was about to come down and crash on him. Once she realizes that he loves her, she decides to save him instead. So one year later at King's University, if you get that pun, a little Stephen King for you. Um, and uh, he looks, Jesse is there with Walter. Yay, Walter. Yeah, he's still the dog. Uh, Jesse doesn't look too good. Uh, he's like, they're studying. Um, and all of a sudden Rachel comes in the window looking all pretty and beautiful. And, they and he's kiss, got a picture you know, like, of her on his little thing. He's like, what, you're here? Yeah. And, uh, but then this uh, terribly terrible 90s uh, effect of her like screaming and breaking apart and shattering into thing uh and then we have uh which i think is actually an incredibly awesome last shot of him in this infinity mirror he looks like he's broken and it's just kind of him into infinity and it uh, says infinity's broken. end on the side on the little board behind him oh does it yeah it so literally says infinity's end like that's like is- the sticker that's right behind him on the on the um uh, cork board or whatever so I paused it to, you know, it's a, it's a very specific look that you can't really get with a camera because your camera can't really angle that way to get infinity that way. So I was looking to see how they did it. And so his brother is, so it's him facing his brother, right? There's somebody with his head backwards and then his brother's the next one. And the next one you can't see is so far away. So if they were used as twin brother to be like the next reflection. 
So they were in a movie together. This is they the moment. Were. Here we go. And oh, they London twins. If you if you know about more about the London twin, you know, duo, because it seems like a missed opportunity if you have hot twins and you don't cast them as hot twins. Hot nineties right? twins. I just thought that kiss too that they had was super gross. I was like, this is the grossest movie kiss. And then when she wasn't real, I was like, thank God, because that was gross. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I don't think this movie is particularly good. I think there are certain moments that are okay, but I feel like this is not the sequel that I want. And when you're looking from a movie as iconic as, you know, Carrie, which not only launched, you know, Brian De Palma, but also Stephen King, you're taking on real big shoes. And I don't feel like this movie fills those shoes. Not at all. It's, it's, it's not at all, uh, on the same level. It was fun, but it's not, if you're going to like, look for something as like beautifully shot and in deep as like, and like just gut wrenching as the original carry it, it's, there's no, there, it, it's, there's nothing compares. No. And um, I've actually, um, my, my friend Matt Dinan and I went on a, a thing where we watched all of the carry, all of them, all the adaptations. Mm-hmm. There's also a TV adaptation and then there's the one with Chloe Grace Moretz. And um, none of them are very good at all. So, like, you know, the De Palma one definitely ranks high. Um, do you want to read some gore yeah. factor for us? Gore love? factor. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. And five, run for the barth bag. Um, we Much contention. We ended up at it. I'm going to give it a 4.52 after talking about it. Um, okay. Um, we were at 4.75 for a while, but we, <laughs> um, four and a half, I think is fine. Um, it's, you know, there's all that it's mostly at the end, like the most of the stuff. It's also, it's from the suicide at the beginning and it's like, like Minnesota's like vegan, you know, head being busted on a freaking, um, windshield, um, and the blood that comes from that. And then the end where she just brutalizes all these kids and people and spears them and heads and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So we got some movie ratings, mm-hmm. zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better Four not too shabby. And five fantastic Oracle. I give Carrie two a two barely qualifies as a horror film. I'm going to give it a three. I feel like I've seen some stuff that's so much worse and so much stuff that's so much better. It's really smacked up kind of in the lower, the lower middle for me, but yeah. Um, not my favorite movie, but it was a fun time capsule to Google and awe over Jason London um, any old day. And um, it was uh, fun to hear the 90s music and see the 90s montage. There was like even a super soaker in that first scene. Like, I mean, like all the like little shout outs to, to 90s shit. Oh, and shit. he was drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, me Jesse. it's it's a lot. It's a lot of just like, oh, wow, what a time. And the Kodak film and everything. So uh, I'll give it for that. All right, okay. cool. So there is uh, The Rage Carry 2. Uh, next week, we are going on to be talking about a movie that I'm really excited to talk about because I love this filmmaker and I love this film. We're going to be talking about Adam Green's Frozen. We are not talking about Disney's Frozen, as you might suggest from this, uh, the title of this podcast, um, Horror Movie Survival Guide. And I will say that I have seen Adam Green's Frozen. I have not seen Disney's Frozen. What? So Have you not Disney. seen – somebody made a, a trailer like that they cut it like a horror movie. Okay. Do you want to build a snowman? And it's like really <laughs> – like that's it's pretty great. So uh, I might have to repost I, that. I was I was just uh, cheesed <laughs> off personally when uh, Disney's Frozen came out because I was like, man, there's already a movie called Frozen. You can't do that. But so it's called Disney, Disney's Frozen, and it's pretty fucking good. I cried, and I, I still it's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, and I love I it. I've heard that I need to let it go. Is what I've heard. <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah. 
Uh, don't hold it back anymore. I think you need to watch okay. it. <laughs> and I'll put it on my list. Low, low on my list. Uh, thank you for listening. And we hope that you will join us next week. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also our Patreon, if you are so inclined to subscribe and support artists. Are we artists? I think so. Artists like us, podcasting artists, you know, those are the new hip things, aren't they? Totes. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> so new and hip, right? <laughs> we are new and hip. Uh, we will see you next week in a new and hip way to talk about Adam Green's Frozen. <laughs>